Hi, my friends, and welcome to Coach Boss Energy. This is the podcast for new and aspiring coaches who are ready to level up in their business and lean into their authority as a badass coach and CEO. I'm your host, Lindsay Sacco, your pocket-sized MBA with five years of consulting and coaching experience, and I'm ready to get real and raw about it all. From launching a coaching business that's set up to scale to growing your business to those shiny, consistent 10K months and beyond, I'm sharing everything. So cozy in and let's get to business. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Coach Boss Energy. I hope you can hear every time I say that I do a little shimmy with my shoulders because why not? Um... Today, we're going to talk all about why data is your friend when you're an entrepreneur. I feel like I just said data really weird. Why data, data is the best tool that you have in your back pocket as an entrepreneur. Okay, it's not your Instagram strategy. It's not how great you show up on camera. It's not even your ability to be a great coach, frankly. Everything is learnable. And when you have data as a tool that you can lean on every single day to help inform your decisions, nothing that you do is going to be blind. Everything that you you do is going to have some sort of rationale and reasoning behind it because you know, right, you have data points to help guide your future actions. So before you go saying, Lindsay, I hate numbers, I hate spreadsheets, I just have to say like, girl, me too. (laughs) I went to business school and I did just fine in finance and data analysis, even though this stuff doesn't come naturally to me. And the reason why is because I am here to tell you that these skills are skills that are learnable. These are not things that just have to exist innately within you and either you're good at data analysis or uh, numbers and spreadsheets and stuff or you're bad at it. You can get really good at it with the practice and quite frankly with knowing what serves your business and what doesn't because at the end of the day when you're just starting out in your coaching business you do not need anything fancy here okay like sure I can pull out my really great finance formulas and stuff like that from business school but it's not going to serve you in your business at this stage it's not necessary okay so today I just want to talk to you about three types of data that you can use in your business starting today that will help you grow sustainably and really feel a lot more control over your business's growth. So if you're someone that feels really overwhelmed by all of the different things um, that are that are like coming at you when it comes to business, I mean, honestly, when you're starting a business, it does feel like you're drinking out of a fire hose. And a lot of times it's because there are so many options, there are so many opportunities And we're not exactly sure what the best path for us to take is. So if you're feeling overwhelmed, likely a huge way to just release some of that overwhelm and put some structure around it is to get better at not only knowing what kind of data you need to be tracking, but having some sort of tool and system to actually do it. So I want to talk about that today. And then I want to get a little deeper and I want to share with you three simple things you can do with that data. So not just what data you should, you know, be using in your business on a day-to-day basis, but what you can actually do with that data to actually make some movement in your business and make sense of it all, okay? So we're going to dive into that today. Now, so often, and I like raise your hand, I can't see you obviously, but I'm going to feel it through the universe. 
How often do you avoid looking at the numbers because they're painful? Right? I, I'm imagining myself, even, you know, a few months ago, just afraid to look at the bank account because I didn't want to know what the reality was. But a lot of times we're so paralyzed by the numbers or the data because it forces us to confront the truth. It, conf- it forces us to confront the reality, which may or might not be painful. So we fear what the data will say. But unfortunately, we lose the value that the data has when we don't look because the numbers and data actually tell us a really powerful story that is ours to shape. As long as we give the data so much power that we're afraid to operate with it, to work with it, to look at it even, then we lose control of it. But the minute we look, the minute we actually just look at what, at everything that, that the numbers are telling us, all the metrics are telling us, even the qualitative data, which we'll talk about, the, the feedback, everything like that, if we look at what it's telling us, all of a sudden we have immense power to shape our reality and shift our strategies to make the next set of data that we get come in a little different and a little better based on our actions. So that's what, that's like why I, I want to make this episode today. That's why I feel really comfortable uh, spending an entire episode talking about this because too often I see a lot of people say like I, you know, I'm just naturally disorganized. It's never going to happen or I just suck at the numbers. It's never going to happen. Well, like, okay, I'm poster child of disorganization and sucks at numbers. I really am. This is not my strong suit. I'm not naturally um, gifted in those ways. But when I've learned to work on those things, when I've prioritized those things as important things to to put effort into in order to grow my business, it has never done me wrong. And so I, I like, I'm super excited to talk about how to simplify this for you. And I hope that you understand this is coming from someone who isn't like some Excel guru or who loves and like eats, drinks, sleeps, breathes numbers all day. Like that is not me. That is not me. And my fiance will tell you, I am the first person to avoid looking at a bank account. But when I do sit down and I look at the numbers, I look at the data, I look at everything that the numbers are telling me, I feel super empowered to make some changes. So let's get into it. There are three types of data I want to talk about today. The first is feedback. And this is going to be probably the most accessible type of data for everyone if you're someone who hates numbers because this is literally words. It's qualitative. It's great, honestly. Feedback is a form of data. What are my clients saying that is working? You know, what are they saying isn't working? What are my clients constantly confused about that they constantly are coming back to me with, with questions even after I've explained something? What's resonating really well? This can be both from a perspective of like clients um, that you are currently serving, right? So feedback on your programs and your coaching. This could also be feedback that you're getting just from like your day-to-day interactions with people, with leads, lead nurturing, uh, even just with your content. So I actually keep a running list of comments that I get from people in the DMs when I'm going back and forth, even if they're not clients. Like anything from you know, I really liked when you did X. It really made me feel good. I don't see a lot of people doing this. I don't see a lot of coaches doing this. First of all, it makes my day. So collecting that data is just really helpful for me to understand what I'm doing well. But when critical feedback comes in about 
you know, how a piece of, you know, a piece of content that I wrote lands or on how, you know, my sales process goes. That feedback is something that I also like to collect because it tells me what's going to be serving my business and what isn't. Okay, so this is like the feedback is a huge piece of data that we want to that we want to collect and we want to make sure we hold on to. The next are key metrics and I know that's like super broad so I'm going to break down what that means really. But in general, we are not, we are going to have activities in our business, things that we do that there's going to be a very clear successful and unsuccessful outcome. So for example, hopping on a sales call, did we sell or did we not sell? Creating a post with a call to action. Did they take the call to action? Did they not take the call to action? Maybe there's a third option there of like, I, I didn't sell or I did sell or uh, not now, but maybe later kind of thing. But either way, when we have an action or when we take an action with an intended outcome, we want to make sure we're tracking how often that outcome happens and how often it doesn't. So this is stuff like conversion rate. This is stuff like how many people are getting in our pipeline every day. How many leads are we getting every day? This is stuff like what is our engagement rate? How many uh, people clicked the link? How many people commented below? Even just knowing what those metrics mean is a huge start so that when you are when you do want to see how something's going, when you do want to see how something's performing, you know how you can quickly compile that information, right? So maybe like for example for me, I do not like to get super crazy uh, – hawkish on my Instagram analytics it doesn't serve me it makes me more stressed than it makes me happy and frankly like I know that I need some time to build up a particular strategy before I'm assessing whether or not it works but knowing how I can track how good my overall engagement is on Instagram knowing that I can look at how many followers I have and my engagement rate and I can get a good sense of whether or not it's good or or bad based on kind of industry uh industry standards that gives me the peace of mind to know, okay, when I am ready to look at, you know, my Instagram strategy, I can go back and assess that data really quick. So I have it in my back pocket. Other things I want to be tracking regularly, okay? Like for me, I regularly like to check how the conversion rate is on my landing page for my lead magnet. I do that because I want to make sure that the language on there is is captivating because if someone's clicking through to look at my lead magnet they know what they're that they're clicking through to look at so if they're not purchasing or not purchasing if they're not opting in uh, after they look at that landing page there's an issue with the landing page now of course there's always going to be some people but if that like conversion rate is like lower than 50 or 60 percent percent for me that's how I define success in in, in my particular landing page then I want to make a tweak so that's, a, that's an example of a metric that I like to have on deck all the time. Other conversion rates for me, I like to know how well my sales calls are doing. I like to know how what the, the percentage of um, leads I'm converting to clients uh, for my, my one-on-one program. And, you know, some people look at 10% as successful. Some people look at 5% as successful. Some people look at 20% as successful, right? It's less important what your definition of successful is or what your definition of what your goal is, I guess, for, for that metric to be. And it's more important that you understand how to track it so that when you do know and you're pretty solid on what goal you have, that you know that you know what you can start pulling, what levers you can start pulling in order to get closer to that goal. Okay, so that's metrics. Those are key metrics. I know it's like a huge umbrella topic, 
But the important part here is that for everyone, it's going to look a little bit different, but there's going to be some key metrics that they want to track. And my best advice is to just say, what are the actions that you're taking in your business? And let's even just keep it in in when it comes to lead generation, lead nurturing, and sales. What are those key activities that you're doing? What are the different, you know, points, those really important points in your funnel that you want to know whether or not the people are taking the action, the intended outcome that you want uh, them to take? And how can you make sure that you're tracking that to, to know really how successful each of those steps are so that you're not just hoping that it works? And this will also teach you what you need to know in order to actually like not spend time fixing something that isn't broken, right? Okay, I'm like literally getting into the the next thing. So I'm going to pause there and move on to money before uh, I start digging into what you're supposed to do with all of this data. So the last piece of data that you want to you want to make sure you're tracking is money. Okay, this is a big one. This is probably the most painful one, honestly, for a lot of us. But this is so, so, so crucial. This is knowing whether or not you hit your sales goal. This is knowing whether or not you're profitable. This is knowing how much you're spending. This is knowing how much you're making. And this is knowing where, what kind of ROI, what kind of return on investment you're, you're facing from each um, investment that you're making in your business. The reason why this can be so painful for all of us is because we put a lot of weight on money and self-worth. We connect our money and our self-worth as though they are the same thing, right? Uh, my business isn't successful if I'm not making X money. I am not successful if I'm not making X money. And even when we do the mindset work to try to remove that, it's still very natural to have that lingering feeling. And so we get afraid to look at the numbers, not because, you know, not looking at them means the reality is different because we know that bank account's going to look whatever it looks like, regardless if we look or not. We avoid that pain because seeing that number is another reflection of one of our biggest insecurities, which is that I'm not as successful as I wanted to be. Or maybe you're on the opposite side of things and your fear is less failure and more success. And looking at those big numbers all of a sudden overwhelms you and it's like, what am I supposed to do with all of this, right? Either way, no matter where you fall on that money spectrum, there is some sort of really intense relationship that's that's wrapped up. And I, I'm working really hard to get a money mindset coach onto the podcast because this is, this is a whole other topic that we can talk about for like hours. But the important thing here is when we when we've we've been taught that money is something we can't talk about. We've been taught that money is a taboo topic. We've been taught that, um, you know, there's never enough and we have to protect money and all of that stuff. Whatever your relationship with money is from growing up, like likely you, you hold on to a little bit of that today. And unfortunately, the way that that manifests often is in being afraid to look at the money. If you don't feel this, awesome. I'm glad you might be the type of person who might fixate on it. And so you're always looking at the money. Um, And that's also something we want to make sure that we're not letting the data drown us. We're letting it inform our decisions. So, and that this is true for all of it, by the way, like conversion rate, feedback, none of the data is going to be something that we want to fixate on, right? None of this data is something that we want to overrun our lives or control us. We control it, Okay. We are able to pull any amount of levers to change that, right? The money that you're making isn't law. It isn't doctrine. 
It isn't said that because you made 1K last month, you're going to make 1K this month. It isn't said that because your 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 page converted at 10% that it is going to convert at 10% this month. It isn't said because unless you, I mean, I guess unless you don't change anything, it, it might not change. But once you know that, you can change any number of potential inputs that'll give you a different outcome. And then the next month you get to assess how those inputs those changed inputs did, how successful they were at changing what you wanted to change, and then you get to do it all over again. Or every week, you know. The nice thing about data is that when you get a relationship with it, that you use it as a tool and not as, you know, a shackle or a weight or a mirror that tells you how good you are, how much you're worth, but you get to just use it as another tool in your toolbox along with your gut, along with your instinct, along with the, all of the other amazing stuff that you're learning as, a, as an entrepreneur. Once you get to use it as a tool, you are like the world is your oyster. You get to do so much with it and you get to shape your reality. And I, re- I really mean that. So I said this before, but when we actively track this information, we hold the power. It does not control us. When we get in the habit of analyzing this data, we hold the power. It does not control us. And I, I really want you to internalize this, especially if you're someone who gets afraid to look at those numbers, okay? When we use this data to inform our decisions, we hold the power. It does not control us. So I want to talk about a few different ways that you can actually inject that proactive data training into your business. And then I want to tell you how you can kind of make a regular habit of analyzing that data and then how you can adapt and strategically use that data to inform those next steps. So I just alluded to it, but really there's three big things that you can do with your data in your business. You can track it, analyze it, and then adapt to it. And I want to go through all the different tips and tricks that I have for each of those categories so you can walk away feeling like you know how to do each of them a little bit better today than you did you know, before you you hopped on through the AirPods in or whatever. Anyway, I digress. Let's talk about tracking, analyzing, and adapting. And I'm sure I could have made that into a cute acronym, but my brain doesn't really work like that. So we got TA, T-A-A, tracking. When it comes to tracking feedback, this is proactively seeking feedback often in different ways. A lot of times we wait till feedback comes to us And oftentimes it can actually feel harsher that way because we're not asking for it, Um, at least when it's critical feedback. If it's positive feedback, I mean, oh my gosh, who doesn't love like a random compliment on a Thursday? But at the end of the day, we want to be tracking feedback often. So this is not just tracking feedback in a formal way, like, um, you know, sending out a routine feedback form during a particular spot in your engagement or after your engagement with a client, which is, yes, do that. Please do that. Um, But this also could look like, you know, a a more informal way of like at the end of a sales call, just saying like, uh, you know, what felt like, what, what did you get out of this call? Or like, what did, what, how did you, how do you feel about um, the work that we did together or the the conversation we had today? Literally just asking simple questions here and there and just taking note of what, what's being said. Um, It could also be, you know, taking polls in your Instagram stories every once in a while and saying, Hey, how do you feel about this type of content? Little ways that you can inject 
getting to know how your clients, your ideal client avatars, your potential clients, your leads, how they're responding to your actions that are intended to, at the end of the day, serve them and get them into your community is crucial. I mean, that honestly, like imagine doing this job without knowing at all how anyone's responding to your work, right? It would be so hard. Like no one does that. But instead of making it random, you can actually put some intentionality into it and build that into the content that you produce. So I highly recommend proactively seeking feedback often um, in many different ways so that you can capture different types of people. After you do that, keep it a bank where you can put it all. Whether this is a spreadsheet for you or like a running Google Doc or, you know, like a you know, if you're like me and you're slightly disorganized, maybe it starts on a phone or, you know, Mac note. But either way, just make note of it. And then over time, you can start organizing it as you're getting more and more. And there are themes. Um, but just keep note. It's super, like it's that easy. Now, when it comes to some of the metrics that we talked about, there are a bunch of different metrics that you can track. Some examples that I really think are, are helpful are having a lead tracker where you can keep track of what new um, what new leads you have coming in the pipeline. So the key things I like to track are what lead generation tactic am I using? What lead nurturing tactics am I using? How much time am I spending on each of these? How many people are coming in for my pipeline from each of those activities? So where are they coming from? And then how are those conversations going? So I like to track not only like the key points of those conversations so that I I can actually keep it all straight in my head, but also so I can understand like what am I saying here? What like what you know, for people who are converting to my to my program, like what are the difference between those conversations and the conversations with people who who kind of ghosted me? Like, what does that look like? And then looking at the outcome of each of those conversations. Is it a, you know, over the course of time, did that person end up coming becoming a client? Did that person end up joining your course? Did that person end up joining your one-on-one program? Did that person end up joining your Facebook group, but they're not necessarily ready to work with you? Did that person ghost you? Like all of those different potential outcomes, they're super important to recognize because over time, like when you're just starting this, it might just look kind of random, but over time you will start to see patterns. But even tracking it just gives you a better sense of and allows you to be more present and cognizant of every action you're doing and the intentionality uh, or the intention behind it. So I, I, you know, in the same way that when you're taking notes in class, sometimes you never look back at those notes, but even just the act of taking them helps you solidify that information. I find that tracking does the same thing. Um, but of course, it gives you the added benefit of knowing that you can look back and see what tactics are working really well, right? You might be spending two hours in Facebook groups and realize that every single client you've ever gotten is from Instagram. And then you're like, oh, well, maybe I could just spend those two hours on Instagram and then quadruple the number of clients I have coming in right that's just an example and quite a dramatic example but at the end of the day like that's the power of tracking your leads and sometimes our brains don't necessarily connect those dots and same thing goes with your expenses and your income again you know what's coming in roughly you know what's going out roughly but if you are not tracking this like every single item each line item then you're not going to have a holistic picture of your business and it's going to be scarier. The more you do it proactively and from the very beginning, honestly, the less, the fewer surprises there are going to be because you know everything that's coming in and out. And once you do it once, it becomes so much less scary doing it, you know, on a routine basis. And when it comes to tracking your income and expenses, when I say every single line item, I literally mean it. Like 
software, I don't make that a full category for me. I literally write down like Google Suite, Canva, Kajabi. Like I write down literally every single thing and, and, and I don't just track it, I project it. So I love projecting. I love creating a pro forma, which is literally all about projecting out into the future because it allows me to play with my goals and to understand what I need to make true in order for me to hit those goals, what kind of sales I need to do in order for me to hit those goals and how I need to cover expenses. So I make goals and then I play out how I'll make them happen. So if you have a goal to hit 10K and you know you have to sell five of your one-on-one programs to do it, then and you know that your current sales conversion rate is about 20%, then you know you need to have 20 calls. Easy. Like you literally have that information. So then if you know that you need to have 20 calls, then maybe you know you need to you need you know you need to have about five calls a week. If you know that you need five calls a week, roughly, then you have then you know how many like right, you can work backwards and figure out how many leads you need to start talking to and how many of those roughly turn into calls. So that data is so, so, so powerful. And again, I'm getting ahead of myself because we're really going into analyze, but you can see how all of these different metrics work together really, really well. And not only that, but when you get to play with those numbers in your in your pro forma, when you get to look at not just tracking your, your money coming in and out, but also projecting how much money you want to have coming in and out, you get to start figuring out when you're going to make strategic hires, when you're going to make those big purchases, when you're able to afford that next coach that you want to work with, right? You can put that into your pro forma before you've ever made the decision that you're going to work with them, right? Maybe I know that I'm going to want to work with a $20,000 coach in, starting in October. So I'm going to literally put that in my pro forma so that I'm starting to do the work today to meet, to meet myself at that stage so that I'm not playing catch up, you know, that month. Okay, let's move on to analyze. What are some of my big tips for analyzing data? So I recommend carving out regular time that you'll check up on each data set. So I am going to recommend weekly for lead generation and lead nurturing metrics, like those conversion rates, things like that. Maybe not the sales call stuff because you could probably do that like on a monthly basis, but a lot of your metrics, they're going to be helpful for you to know on a weekly basis just for you can, just so you can like touch base, right? You might not do something with that data, data every single um, week, but you'll at least have that knowledge in your mind each week and that's really helpful. I recommend monthly for finance and monthly for feedback. You do not need to be stressing yourself out by looking at that stuff weekly, but carving out the time is really important. And when I say carving out, time I literally mean like putting it on your calendar carving out time like forcing yourself to really set aside dedicated time to do that kind of and that doesn't have to take long right some of that could literally be a matter of 15 minutes a week you know 30 minutes a month for each of those data sets Um, next thing I would say is when it comes to the feedback portion I really look at what the feedback is telling me and me about my offer overall I try not to go nitty gritty into each and every detail, each and every piece of feedback because that can like cause way too much stress and anxiety, right? We don't want to put too much power in any individual comment. So if we've gotten one piece of feedback, that's not enough to be, that's not enough to mean anything. I mean, think about like if you were to read like a scientific paper that said, you know, we did a study on one person and this medication worked for one person, like you would probably not... (laughs) 
trust that study. So think about the same thing when it comes to feedback. Like one piece of feedback, okay, like I can start making a tweak, make sure that I don't, um, you know, make sure that I'm like cognizant of it, but I'm not going to like change my entire strategy because of it. But if the trends are telling you something, then okay, let's start looking at how we can make small tweaks and changes to make sure that we're accommodating that stuff. Okay, so I really look at the overall trends. Same goes with if it's not feedback about your offer, but it's feedback about your content or your sales process or whatever. Okay, like plug in whatever you want here. Whatever it's feedback about, we're looking at the overall story that the feedback's telling us, not each individual point and holding and giving any individual point that much power. Same with the metrics. Like what are the metrics telling you about the effectiveness of each tactic compared to other tactics? So, you know, you don't even have to look at like what is successful, like what what percentage is my goal, but just looking at the different tactics that you're taking, like if you're doing Instagram DMs or if you are using Facebook groups, like how can I compare which one's more more effective? Like what is the percentage of people that I'm getting, clients that I'm getting from this platform versus clients that I'm getting from this platform? How is LinkedIn working better versus Instagram for connecting with my dream clients? So you can start by just looking and comparing the the metrics, the data between each other to see what thing is working better. Is X or, or Y working better? Is A or B working better? And then obviously directing more energy towards what is working better. Or if it looks like they're complementing each other, great, that's an option too. The flip side of that is looking at the data overall or in comparison to some sort of um, benchmark that you want to hit. So if you've made yourself a goal to, you know, convert at 25% in your sales calls and you're you're currently at 15, okay, you can compare it to the benchmark and see how you've been doing. You can also look at trends overall, right? You can look at how was I doing in March? How was I doing in April? Okay, what is what do I want for May? Um, and then... Another thing I love to do in this moment is also just looking at how is the data compared to how I have experienced it. Have I been really enjoying my time um, on, in Facebook groups? And have I loved doing this even if the metrics show me that it's a little bit less successful than um, my lead generation strategy on Instagram? Is the podcast doing as well as... Um, you know, Facebook is in terms of bringing in new leads into my pipeline, maybe, maybe not, but also how do I feel about it? Is it something that I enjoy? So I also think it's really important to not give data too much power into our decision making without also injecting some of the feeling and the personality into it because there are very valid reasons for settling for a lower um, or a less successful method or strategy if it's giving us you know, if it's giving us something in some, in some other way in our lives. So success doesn't just have to be like, is it, you know, is it performing each time or am I making X amount of dollars from it? Success can also look like, like, is this, is this a way I enjoy spending my time in my business? Um, so I find that to be another really important thing to add to, to this overall strategy. The last thing I would say is when it comes to the money, what is your money telling you about your strategy? What is it telling you that is selling really well in your business? Is there a particular um, product or service that's selling way better than another? And how does that align with how much you've been talking about it or, or promoting it? So what is it also telling you kind of about your marketing tactics? What's getting traction? What's not getting traction? Are there potential strategies or tactics that have played into this that you can think of that you've done, content that you've put out, uh, energy that you've put out that maybe is making this happen one way or another, right? Positive or negative. 
On the flip side, you can also look at the same at expenses. Am I spending a lot of money in an area that I didn't think I was spending a lot of money in? Am I hemorrhaging cash in my marketing efforts and not really seeing anything for it? This is also a really important thing. And I love this in particular as you are growing your business. Now, when you start off, your expenses will likely be fairly minimal, right? Or if you're spending a lot of money in an area, it's going to be pretty obvious. Like you're not going to have like 18,000 expenses. It's probably going to be like a handful of core expenses in your business. But as you grow, the money starts going maybe a little faster than you imagine it. And you want to know exactly where it's going to and really strategize whether or not that's a useful way to spend your money, invest your resources and things like that. So I really think about, you know, when you're looking at metrics from, when you look at your metrics, you look at your money and you look at your feedback, you're really looking at energy, time, and money. Where is it going? How is it serving you? And is it doing its job? That is literally all tracking data and analyzing your data is doing, right? It's, it's telling you if your time, energy, and money is being spent the way that it should be. And it's giving you another data point aside from just your gut and your emotion and how you feel about it. It's giving you another data point. It's giving you that hard numbers to it um, and hard facts to it so that you can kind of supplement that with everything else that you're using to make your decision in your business. And that is all good, right? All of that stuff is good. I do find though when you're seeing yourself making too many emotional decisions in your business without injecting that data, oftentimes we we end up spending too much time on things that actually aren't serving our business um, and we're getting our self-worth worth wrapped up in things that don't really feel right. Um, okay, last piece is adapting. Okay, so what do we do to adapt once we've analyzed it? What do we do with all of that all of that information? Well, when it comes to feedback, I think about what levers I can pull in my business to inject that feedback into my offers or into my content or into my client service. So if you're thinking about like if you've got a piece of feedback that says um, I'm really struggling with this module. Say you're a course creator. I'm really struggling with this module and several people have said like I love everything but this particular video I'm really curious about X or I, I still don't feel clear on Y. That's a super simple thing, right? Your, adap- your adaptation might be to either record a quick little loom video or – um, supplemental video and just add it into the resources, right? Your a different strategy might be to just re-record it all together, right? But you might not want to reinvent the wheel and then you just create like, you know, you slap an FAQ together or you create a five-minute video explaining it and then you just add it to it. I mean, the solution can be super simple. There might be some, you know, I one time got the feedback when way back when I made a course, I got the feedback that um, accountability like making sure that I'm sticking to like it's really nice that I can do this module at any at any time period or that I have my own kind of self-paced feeling but it would be nice to have some sort of accountability built in so I just did a simple a simple technique and I made a a little document a pdf where you could put in the dates that you wanted to have things done by so you could print it out post it on your wall and have a little bit of of um, motivation I also thought of the idea of um, having like a monthly check-in where I just post something to the Facebook group and say uh, what are your goals for this month and then at the end of the month I say did you make your goals right little tiny things like that where it doesn't have to be a reinvention of the wheel but it will make a huge difference to the people going through your program that's just a course that's just a course creation example but it could be anything right if you get the feedback that this felt really crunched for time or I wish I could have you know done x y or z you can figure out small ways to tweak that so think about what levers you can pull to alleviate that in the simplest way possible 
but in the most impactful way possible. Because the answer isn't always going to be, you know, you taking seven hours and fixing something. It could be something so simple um, that goes a really long way. Same thing when it comes to the key metrics, right? Thinking about how you can do more of what's working. What kinds of small shifts can you make to test new strategies? So I love here in this adaptation phase, I love being able to use A-B testing for things. So changing one variable at a time and seeing what happens. So for example, maybe you want to increase the uh, conversion rate on your opt-in page for your lead magnet. And you're not really sure if it's the headline that, that, that's doing it or maybe it's the title of your lead magnet. So maybe what you do is you duplicate your page and on one of them you keep everything the same but you just change the lead magnet title. And on the other one you keep everything the same but you change the headline of it. And then you send those links out, you know, maybe you post them in two different Facebook groups or you post one on Monday and one on Tuesday or something like that. Now granted there's there's some variability here. This isn't an exact science, like we're not doing a real experiment here, but you're getting a sense of what's working and what's what's not working. You're not changing everything at once because if you change everything at once, you're not going to be able to look back and figure out what what it was that really did it. So when you're able to really be intentional about your A-B testing, you're able to actually pinpoint exactly what it is that can change uh, the, the course of your success. And... This is true for anything that you you test, any kind of big change that you make. Sometimes it'll be obvious what the change needs to be and then you'll be able to just jump in and make that change, but sometimes it won't, right? Especially when it comes to content, when it comes to ads, like all of that stuff later down the line, sometimes it will not be clear to you what's going to work better than than something else. So changing one small thing at at a time, like maybe it's your call to action. Maybe your your entire text is great, but the call to action is weak, right? So it's figuring out one little thing that you can tweak putting it out there, seeing the results, and then tweaking a different thing on a different occasion and seeing the results. As you do this, you'll be able to store it away. You'll be able to know what's, what works and what doesn't work when it comes to tweaking your, your strategies and be able to fix things faster the next time. Finally, in this kind of category, I do think it's really important to think about what's in your control and what isn't in your control, right? Some of the things that aren't in your control are like other people's opinions of you and your personality and whatever so focus in on the things that you know you can shift and and change first and the simplest things that you can shift and change first and don't put too much energy and attention towards the things that you you can't really control and that will help you kind of sift through what to tweak first based on the data that you're getting last thing is money again what's in your control what can you change or shift or focus on to free up more money in one space How can you shift your mindset about money? How can you shift your marketing strategy to bring in more money next month and hit your goal? Are you calling in enough but spending too much? Maybe it's not that you have, you don't have enough money coming in. It's that you're, there's a lot of money going out. What are you feeling good about? What are the, what are the areas that you're feeling really good about when you're looking at your, your incomes and your income and expenses? And where are the areas where your goals maybe aren't met and you want to make tweaks and changes? A lot of the money stuff has to do with either adjusting your sales strategy or adjusting your spending strategy. And then it's then getting layers deeper and figuring out what specifically about those strategies is and isn't working. So that's it. I mean, honestly, I know that I'm 
it seems like I'm simplifying it, but at the end of the day, I, I am because it doesn't have to be complex, especially when you're just starting out. If all you do is just walk away being aware of the different areas in your business where you are getting information and data that you could be actively soaking up and and looking at and computing in your brain, you'll be a step closer to actually making intentional changes in your business that are going to serve you. So my goal for this is not to, you know, I don't have enough time to sit down and build your entire um, spreadsheet with you. I would love to. But this, hopefully this episode gives you an opportunity to really think through what are the ways in my business that I'm I'm proactively seeking information and where are the areas maybe that I've been avoiding looking at that could actually really serve to empower me in my, in my stra- strategic de- decision making, in my strategic planning. So even if you aren't a data person, even if numbers make you want to run for the hills, I'm going to encourage you to start with three metrics that you're going to start tracking this month that you didn't last month. Create a space to collect, track, and analyze those numbers, and then put in calendar invites into your calendar to analyze those data regularly. I don't care if you use Google Sheets. I don't care if you use Excel. I don't care if you use like ClickUp or Monday or uh, whatever, Asana or I don't know. I don't know. Maybe those aren't tools. Airtable. Like I don't care what you use in that. Just figure out something that's really going to work for you and commit to it for a month. If you already track all of the stuff that I've just told you about, right? If you don't have three additional things to add because you literally already track everything, but you're not doing anything with that data, then your assignment is to carve out time on your calendar to just sit down with that data and that you do have and make sense of it. And if you're someone who's like looking through all of this and you're listening to me and you're like, okay, I really want to do this. I'm just not sure even where to start. I can't even think of three. Reach out. Let's chat. Join the Coach Boss Energy Facebook community I like love getting nitty gritty in there, digging through, answering questions and stuff like that. So join that community. That's a great place to ask your questions, have the community help answer them and and put some eyes on it. But if you're serious about turning this around and starting to use your data to really inform your action plan for your business, I have my one-on-one consistent 10K coach program where I literally work with you to create a custom action plan to hit your revenue goals and your lifestyle goals in your business. So if that sounds like something that you need and want, I have an application on my website. If you go to www.forzacollective.com, F-O-R-Z-A collective.com and you click through to look at my program, my Consistent 10K Coach program, there's an application there. You can find it. Dig in. We can hop on a call. Talk about your personal strategy and make sure that it's a good fit because honestly, at the end of the day, the core of your business, the undercurrent of everything that you do really is just understanding what's working what isn't working and making tweaks that is what business is and so if you don't feel like you have a a, a good grasp on how to track analyze and adapt everything if you don't feel like you have a firm grasp on how to track analyze and then adapt your strategies to the data that's coming in this is something to prioritize for sure so that's everything for today. I am so excited that we walked through that all. I hope, I mean, I honestly feel a weight lifted off my shoulder just talking through the data and just making it more accessible. I hope that you experience that too. I really hope that you feel a little bit more empowered to sit down with, with some of the scary numbers and make them a little less scary and feel a little bit more empowered with that. So the last thing I want to say is if you are enjoying this podcast, if you're getting so much out of it, 
it would mean the world to me for you to leave a review. This is a new podcast and I really want to make sure that as many new coaches and consultants get their ears on it so they can get the trainings they need to get their own coach boss energy. So thank you so much for listening and being part of this community. I will see you in the next episode. Bye.